AB InBev plays us all the fool and gets a huge discount on the CBA. Then they celebrate by being giant cock waffles to two smaller breweries. And Miller Coors decides to join the party. This is It's All Beer, Corporate Beer Sucks Edition. Welcome to It's All Beer. While the regular news is so depressing you want to drink, we report the news on the people who make the beer, which ironically makes you want to drink less. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. This may not be the episode for it, I'm guessing. <laughs> this is this is going to be... You know what? This is very news-esque actually, this week. Actually, I think it's kind of fun because we've had to, we've had to talk a lot about uh, 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 a smaller brewery being an asshole. We get, to get, we get much more into the realm where we're more comfortable, which is... AB and Bev, God, will you quit being such incredible dickholes? I think we're more comfortable. This is actually how we started the podcast. I was going to say, we got fed a fuckload of content this week <laughs> from Big Beer being dicks. So this is going to be fun. But before we get into that, uh, speaking of Big Beer, what are we drinking today? Uh, we have Ada County Stout from Woodland Empire, this year's 2019 edition. This is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, of course, a, a reference to, uh, um, to Bourbon County. Uh, that's produced by Goose Island. This is a local brewery. They're uh, Ada County, which is uh, the county where uh, we re- where we record and uh, where uh, they do business. So it's kind of uh, so it's up, uh, appropriate. Um, it's beautiful beer. It's just it's nice, rich, chocolatey, caramel. Uh, it's got that vanilla, smoky bourbon flavor. Not as smooth as like Bourbon County, but I'd put this up against it. It's it's uh, See, it's. Wonderful. I think it's just as smooth. Um, I don't think I get a ton of booziness, and I was like, "Oh well, what's the ABV on it? Fourteen percent." So uh, I re- see. I remember when this. First maybe ca- I'm just getting a drinking problem. The I remember when this first came out. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of like a, a uh, can we do this? Because it was fourteen percent before they put it in the barrel, and um, uh, uh, legal limit it. Yeah, in Idaho, Idaho is fifteen. Um, if you go, yeah, if you get to fifteen, then you uh, have to sell the liquor store. Which is not going to really go well for uh, craft beer. I don't. I don't even know if the liquor store would even pick something like this up. I it, don't know. Um, but um, but and it's what kept it's what kept something like Vikings Blood out of the market for the longest time. Vikings or Blood, uh, um, one twenty from Dogfish yeah. Head, uh, Worldwide Stout. Uh, there's a bunch of beers that just we can't get, even if they wanted to send it to us, just because it's upwards of fifteen percent, and you know that's where that thin red line of civilization would fall apart. Hey, it's better than Ohio, where it's 13%. <coughs> oh, another reason Idaho is better than Ohio. Ohio, the state of mediocrity. You should go in there. Should, there just should be a sign at the Ohio border that says, Ohio, meh. Meh. <laughs> Fun fact, Ohio, the only state with no natural lakes. It's true. Oh, damn. I don't know where I picked up that little bit of knowledge, but I have that in my head, and now you get to carry it around with you as well. I'll probably forget by tomorrow, but... Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it. Tyler, first story. Uh, first story, I feel, has got to be the AB InBev tanking of the CBA. <laughs> so if you remember a couple episodes back, we talked about how AB InBev had to buy their last 66 or 67% of the CBA uh, or else they had to pay a $20 million fee. Yep. And we were like, okay, well, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? They ended up passing, and I was like, uh, I don't know if that was the best move. I mean, Kona is still a good brand. The rest of the brands in the CBA portfolio are kind of dog shit. 
I mean, let's go. Let's take a second to step back. I mean, the CBA, the Craft Brewers Alliance, um, it was formed of uh, of several smaller breweries: Widmere, Red Hook. Uh, Kona and uh, shoot, was the third one or fourth one I'm forgetting? There's um, like five or six in there. Yeah, there, uh, and then a bunch of other ones that no one really cares about. But the but it's kind of a coalition of smaller breweries that at one point in time, um, AB InBev owned like a thirty percent share of. Yeah. Um, but the big ones are Red Hook, Widmere, Kona, and then there's some lesser known ones. So, but I a bunch of Pacific Northwest breweries in kind of a a uh, a. Um, a coalition or corporation of, of craft breweries that is now owned by AB InBev. So. Fully. So yeah. AB InBev, back in the day, bought a 33% share of it, so non-controlling, but still had their hand in it when craft beer started taking off. Um, so back on uh, August 27th, they would have had to avoid the $20 million fee, they would have had to buy out the rest of the Craft Brewer Alliance at twenty four fifty per share. Which, looking at like their revenues and that, seemed a little bit high, but I was like, okay, AB and Bev. They have your, you have the money. You have the money. You already own part of it. Might as well pull it in, especially with, for some ungodly reason, Kona is just blowing up in popularity. And we and yeah, we also have to take a step back and realize that almost all these brands are yeah, meh, except for Kona. Oddly, that is doing well. Yeah, um, it's we. I think we talked about it as being a lifestyle brand, which totally to this day blows my mind. Because oh, hundred percent. But people think it's a cool tap handle and want to act like they're on a beach. Fucking dude, bros on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that, that was actually the name of the episode, if you need was, to go back. If go back, I think it's episode, like, something between 10 or 12 or something. I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Van Theft Auto and Dude Bro on a Beach. That's when <laughs> we talked about this. Uh, but, so, when they passed, I was like, man, $20 million, that's that's a lot to pass to not do that. Well, the Craft Brew Alliance stock price just tanked after that. Right. Uh, fast forward a couple months later, AB Bev says they're coming in to buy... The rest of the Craft Brewer Alliance for sixteen fifty a share. Uh, savings of $8 per share. First thing I said when I ran into Jeremy that day is, I wonder if it made any sense to do that after paying that fee. I mean, I think we kind of had the same question, which was, is this stupid or is this stupid like a fox? <laughs> well, I got it. I got to take a quick step back here. Congratulations, AB and Bev. Uh, Carlos Brito, uh, George Paul, or whatever, and whoever the third fucking guy is that founded InBev and got it to this point, you guys are fucking geniuses. There's a reason Warren Buffett looks up to you. (laughs) Um, because you played this perfectly. You knew that if you backed out of that deal, their stock price would tumble and you could come in and get it cheaper. So I decided to do a little, um... Quick math on just a quick quick. I mean, uh, are you sure that was their tactic, or is this, or was this a happy accident where they're like, "Yeah, we don't want it." Like, oh, now look at the price. Yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Knowing the three founders, I would say it was probably you, it was at least a probably a let's pull out and see what happens. If That's, if we can get it to drop down to this, we'll. I mean, yeah. So it may have been a little bit of well, let's see what happens, and you know, I mean, we may, you know, fuck most of these brands. We don't really care anyway. So, they, I decided to do some quick math here uh, that I'll go through kind of on the podcast. 
So they got it in a, about a $320 million deal. Everybody get your pens and papers ready. So if you figure uh, at sixteen fifty a share, that puts it to about nineteen million three hundred ninety three million nine or nineteen million three hundred ninety three thousand nine hundred thirty nine shares. Translated, a fuckload of shares. Uh, and then if you multiply that by their savings of eight dollars a share, that well, exited out of that. Hold on. Just hold on. Where we got we 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 got the calculator rolling. Uh, that equates to about a hundred fifty-five million one hundred fifty-one thousand five hundred fifteen dollars and fifteen cents in savings. Translated: more money than anybody listening to this podcast will ever make in their lifetime, or ever see, unless we got a drug dealer listening. Uh, in which case we need to talk. Yeah, we're up for sponsorship. <laughs> Absolutely, we can. Well, but I'll, I'll be sponsored by a Coke dealer. Yeah. Uh, they're always on time. <laughs> uh, but we can't call that their total savings because they did have to pay some out-of-pocket money to get this savings. So let's subtract the $20 million that they had to pay. So they had $135 million worth of savings and some change. And for that, they, and for that they got four, five, six new uh, new breweries. Yeah, that whose revenues still aren't terrible i mean woodmere is kind of going down with uh and they had to shutter their portland tap room and but kona is still picking up steam so if kona maintains their trajectory or even plateaus off they're making a killing and they got it for a lot cheaper than they would have well and it's interesting because i mean we're talking about some legacy uh uh breweries i mean woodmere more or less uh, more or less created the American wheat style with their uh, uh, Hef? yeah, with their Hefeweizen. You know, I mean, it's when you say Hef, you almost say Widmere. Yeah, um, you imagine the yellow fucking the taxi cab yellow label or the taxi the fucking pint glass that says Widmere Hef as the fucking tap I, handle. I think I've got at least three. I got a big thirty-two ounce uh, uh, glass right there with the Widmere label on it. Yeah. Um, Red Hook, known for their ESB. Again, if that, although that style has more or less disappeared from American tap rooms, and that's like a real bastardized style version yeah. of an ESB. But I mean, still, Red Hook was one of the one of those breweries that was there at the founding of uh, Northwest Craft Beer. So kind of just to wrap up here, the big question I have kind of going forward is, yes, AB Bev saved an ass ton of money. Is there going to be any blowback or any retailers kind of specifically in the Northwest going, okay, it was okay when you were only a third owned by AB Bev, Or are they going to pull back and be like, actually, we're not going to carry this anymore because now you're a full AB brand. I doubt it because Ten Barrel, I don't think, has ever really suffered much, many consequences for that. I mean, for every, so for every like small independent tap room or bottle shop that they lose, they pick up three grocery stores. Yeah. So they've not really, they've not suffered any consequences. Elysian's not suffered any consequences. And these are ones that are owned directly by AB InBev. And, and I feel most people have kind of forgiven Goose Island. I mean, every Black Friday, everyone forgets. Oh yeah, Bourbon County, Bourbon County. You know, but we, let's, let's not let's ignore that AB and Bev owns them for today. And okay, yeah. But less than uh, less than previously, and not because I think it's AB and Bev, just because I think the good old fashioned 
uh, craft beer ADD sets in because there was a time where you couldn't, if you tried to find Bourbon County here, um, like the next week after Black Friday, it was gone. Yeah, no, you just weren't doing. You had to show up at the event and get all you could. Now I've seen it hanging around uh, weeks afterwards. So it's, they are also doing bigger. They're doing. They're doing more, yeah. and I mean, there's more even, places are getting more. And, right. I mean, there was a there was a time when um, when I was working at a taproom bottle shop. You know, I had to negotiate with the fucking. They would actually send like guys in suits from AB InBev Corporate to shame me for not getting more AB InBev stuff, and then like and to get your one case allocation, yeah. you had to pick up like five other cases. Right. Yeah. It was. It was a total that you'd sit on all year till you got your next. Right. It was. It was kind of a. It was a shakedown type of thing. Um, and then at one point in time, I think my last year there, they were like, so did you want any? I'm like, nah, I don't want any because no one's really buying it. So you can go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I guess, probably just went home and uh, counted their pile of money. Yeah, I, that's, but. <laughs> but it felt good at the time. It feels good now. And I also feel AB InBev's acquired so many breweries now that I, I think people are kind of desensitized to it. Yeah. So there's not going to be as much blowback. But I still am kind of curious just to keep an eye on the market shelves and see if anyone goes, ah, no, we're done with you. Or if people are just like, ah, fuck it. Well, the Craft Beer Alliance has always sort of kind of gotten a pass because most people didn't know that, for example, Widmere was a third owned by AB InBev. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was that degree of separation. You're like, oh, they're the Craft Beer Alliance. Like, yeah, but it's th- that's owned by AB InBev. Now... Or it was partially owned by AB. Now it's completely owned by AB and Biff, but they still have that degree of separation. So it might be just confusing enough that your average drinker kind of their eyes glaze over and like, I just, I just want a fucking beer. I don't, I don't really. I just want a big wave, man. Yeah, <laughs> just I want to, I want to feel like I'm on a Hawaii beach. I just, I just, I even just... though all the Kona beer is brewed in the Northwest for the United States, and all the Widmere and Red Hook beer for Hawaii is brewed in Hawaii at Kona. See, I think that's again. That's more. That's more uh, uh, complex than your average. Your average beer drinker is going to get into just because. Yeah. You're, but that's why Kona had to pay that big. Yeah. Settlement because, because it wasn't island brewed. I guess what I'm saying is that the Kona beer that's in your hand right now, uh, yeah, probably brewed in Washington. So or Oregon or Oregon. So you know, who gives a shit? Um, also, so uh, fuck you, Andrew Beach. <laughs> I guess that's, I don't know, I didn't know that's where we were going, but yeah, fuck you and your dude bro beach. <laughs> well, what do we got coming up next, Jeremy? Well, AB InBev are still assholes news now. It seems that AB decided to celebrate their new acquisitions in their own unique way, which is to say to behave like 10th degree cockwaffles. Um, this comes from Vine Pear by Ashley Hughes. Um, Ten Barrel kicked off things for their corporate masters by stealing the slogan for, uh, Damn good beer from uh, Flat Tail Brewing out of Corvallis, putting it on the side of a truck, and then driving said truck right past their brewery. Um, you also forgot the Oregon State logo on the side of the truck as well. We're getting there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was sanctioned. They had actually gotten. They actually had cut a deal with uh, with Oregon State University because when you have that sweet sweet corporate money, you can do that. Um, but yeah, they had the Oregon State Beaver, and then it just said "damn good beer," "damn" spelled D-A-M, uh, like the thing that holds back water. It's a pun, people. Uh, very punny, very <laughs> punny. 
We talked about Flattail before. Their owner, uh, Dave Marliff, was one of the youngest professional brewers in the country when he opened his brewery in 2010. In fact, he opened it right out of college, 2021. Um, he's won multiple awards at uh, GABF, a couple of golds, actually. And it must have been a little jarring for him to look out his window, see the uh, see the truck going by, and have enough time to take a picture of it and put it up on Instagram. Oh, I guarantee uh, they were, like, stopped across the street and, like, unloading because, you know, any distributor fucking delivery guy takes his sweet-ass fucking time. And to be fair to Ten Barrel, I'm guessing they really had no idea that they uh, that they stole intellectual property from a smaller brewery for the same reason that I don't feel particularly bad when I accidentally step on a bug. So, but... The but, thing is, you were a small brewery at one point in time. You knew, oh, hey, we're thinking about naming it this. And you do a quick fucking Google. It, it did take about five seconds to, well, when I typed in uh, damn good beer, of course, several articles uh, popped up about this story. But, yeah, I mean, Flat Tail Brewery was number three. But, again, you're 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 considering that once you're uh, the head of, you know, ten barrel, and you got that corporate money behind you. Who gives a shit if you know if you accidentally steal intellectual property? Um, fuck it, you'll just deal with it. Um, but uh, uh, so anyway, what happened was is Dave uh, uh, took a picture and he put it up on Instagram, basically saying something along the lines of he you took know, a couple pictures. Took a couple pictures. <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, just basically saying, dude, you guys are fucking dicks. And he's made a comment about uh, being able, being looking forward to being sued for using his own uh, uh, tagline. And uh, Ten Barrel responded. Ten Barrel responded with an almost it has to be a, a described as a masterpiece of dick baggery. They responded, "quote We had no idea you guys were using this tagline. We are just stoked on our new partnership with Oregon State. Guess great minds think alike, Jay." Although your photo and post doesn't inspire community, our founders and Beaver because AB InBev does. Our our founders and Beaver alum have come up with a couple of ideas as solutions. Our founders will challenge your best drinkers to a boat race. Winner gets the slogan, or we can change our graphics. Well, change out the graphics to something more fitting for us, like a hashtag damn better beer. Now. <clears throat> There's a lot to unpack here. Let's start out with what you mentioned as I was reading. Uh, Ten Barrel shaming somebody for not inspiring community is a bit like Hannibal Lecter giving someone shit for ordering a steak at a restaurant. <laughs> uh, so, just to take a quick pause. So, some of the pictures that they're talking about is the founder posted, it looks like it's like a gift card kind of holder that says, damn good beer, has some bottles, and then like yeah. a little blank spot for you to write like who it's for. And it goes, seriously, fuck you guys, heart Dave. <laughs> uh, and then the next one is the, like, brew house employees holding up a sign that says flat tail on each side, has their logo, and says damn good beer, Corvallis, Oregon, has their phone number. And then all the brew house employees flipping off the camera. <laughs> so that's the pictures they're referring to. Well, and the the one that started this was actually a picture of the truck. Yes. Um... But um, but yeah, that's been the response. Um, so yeah, we got to we there's the there's the whole like not inspiring community, which that's adorable ten barrel not inspiring community, and the whole boat race thing is so spectacularly weird. 
that it can be taken any number of ways, none of them particularly good. First, the best drinkers? Is Ten Barrel actually suggesting that they get absolutely shit-faced hammered and race boats? Because I don't think that goes along Oh, have with... you never heard of a boat race? I know. Maybe I'm mis- mista- misinterpreting so, this. What is a boat race? So, boat race, because I done. I guess I, I did this right, in college. So, I assume, <laughs> all right, maybe, maybe this is where I'm old and decrepit, and I assumed it was an actual fucking boat race. No. Okay. So, boat race is where you get a couple people, and then... The designated amount of cases, usually, like, you get two or three people in a case, and the other team gets two or three people in a case. First team to finish the case wins. Jesus, H. Th- Christ. That is a boat race. I had no idea. I was, that was not a thing in, in college for me or, uh, or any time after, so, all right, well. I, I learned guess- about that at, I think, Fort Collins when I went down there to party for a weekend. That makes a bunch more sense, uh, because I'm sitting there going... Wait, a, a, what makes you think that a mid-sized brewery has a boat to race? You weird, weird fuckers. So, that is what they are referring to as far as I know. That's what made sense in my head. I'm like, uh, that makes a ton more sense than what I thought, which was actually like, you get your drinkers out there, and I guess it, in speedboats on a lake somewhere in Corvallis? I don't... That makes more sense, but... Um, so, Jeremy talked about the damn better beer hashtag there's also a couple other hashtags that they put in beavers should work together hashtag yeah. worry about the ducks actually and as a and as a, uh, a university of oregon alum uh go fuck yourselves i have no problem with that one uh fuck the ducks uh hashtag why old guys flip us off hashtag next time call us hashtag we would have changed it hashtag not now um and bullshit 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 and i'm like are you a fifth grader? Yeah. I mean, well, there's the other thing where that at the end of that where it's like damn better beer. I mean, that that couldn't be more infantile if they just said, I know you are, mm-hmm. but what am I? Yeah. Uh, and did you see Flat Tail's response? I was just getting to that. Perfect. Quote. Um, holy. I'm, just, I'm not going to say. Fuck. Let's say, holy fuck, holy shit. He used a bunch of uh, characters so as not to swear on Instagram because flat tail are classy people. Um, holy blank uh, at 10 Barrel Brewing. You mean this whole time all we had to do was get big beer off our backs? To get big beer. Off our backs was asked politely. Okay, okay, here we go. Dear AB InBev, Molson Coors Brewing, uh, ZXV, ZX Ventures, and everyone you own, number one. Stop engaging in pay-to-play at on-off-premise accounts like giving away snowboards at your promos. Good point. Number two, stop bribing slash pressuring distributors to sell your products ahead of other brands. AB InBev has gotten in trouble multiple times. Yes, they have. For their, we'll give you a better terms on our beer if you only sell 99% of our brand. They actually got in trouble. They got fined for Washington in Washington for that. They've got fined across the country like five, six times. Doesn't seem to matter. Number three, stop using your smaller faux craft brands to promote diversity and progressive agendas while simultaneously funding millions into organizations and packs that support the opposite. They get to uh, Patagonia there, which I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Uh, four, don't make fun of Jim because he's the only employee over 40 in a company full of millennials. That's punishment enough. Fair point. <laughs> Um, number five, you forgot the hashtags. Oh, the hashtags, dick move, hashtag ageism. Number five, 
don't pretend to be the good guys while literally ransoming our slogan back to us. That one's a special kind of what the fuck. So, yeah. That was, I think that was well done. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He, super eloquent, super just to the point. And if I was him, I'd send him a cease and desist. I mean, I'm sure he can get some craft beer nerd lawyer in Corvallis who would gladly do a pro bono work for free beer. We pro- possibly, I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking, I mean, if I'm if I'm running that brewery, do I want to get embroiled in a legal battle with AB InBev? The nice part about this whole thing blowing up on Instagram. Actually, before I get into that, I just want to say I am so glad he called out the pay to play. Yes. Because that was yeah, that was one, the best. one thing that is pissing me off right now is I'm seeing pop up at all the fucking bars and places in town. Uh picture uh Tin Tacker of fucking Idaho that's blue and orange with the Boise State logo on it that says ten barrel brewing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. You guys aren't even from Idaho. You're a fucking Oregon brewery. You're tied to the fucking beavers now, and but you're just doing this because everyone in Boise loves the fucking Broncos, and now you're doing this to make it look like you guys are huge Boise State supporters. Go fuck yourself. And, you know, and I've always had a... Up till now, I've had a hard time reconciling uh, Ten Barrel, the the whole Ten Barrel AB InBev thing, because I know people who work at Ten Barrel, and I know they like craft beer. I know they're in it for the right reasons. They're generally nice people. But and I and I have a hard time like shaming you know Ten Barrel for the sins of their parent company. It's a bit like you know uh, getting on getting on the rich kid for the shitty things his dad does. But this is Ten Barrel acting like complete cocks. Yeah. And so at this point in time, I think Ten Barrel. I'm a, I'm over Ten Barrel. They mm-hmm. can literally go fuck themselves with a rusty piece of rebar. And so because that because now you are acting like a dick to a smaller brewery that you once were. Yeah. In the same state that you were fucking founded. Exactly. And how far is Ben from Corvallis? Um, I mean, it's up over, it's up over the mountains. So, it, I mean, Corvallis and Eugene are in the same general area. So, two to three hours. So, but, a quick little car but, ride. But here's the yeah. thing. I mean, if you're in Bend, it's kind of like anywhere in Idaho or probably anywhere else in the country. There are a couple of big schools. You're either a Ducks fan or a Beavers fan or insert whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever X color. or Y. Yeah. Right. And so you can pick one and be on that side. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, if you're these are people in Corvallis, uh, part of the craft brew community. Fuck you. Yeah. And back to my original point. I'm glad this whole thing's blowing up over social media because it is building such ill will towards 10 barrel. Mm -hmm. You were losing the court of public opinion. We talked about this with the founders. If they would have just said, oh, shit, or been sending private messages, been like, hey. You know, post out a message, hey, we're sorry, we'll, we'll, let's do a collaboration, or let's do this, or let's figure out this, instead of going, no, fuck you, no, fuck you, you flipped us off, so suck my dick, I'm like, you're, you're not helping your case, you're making yourself look worse, like the rich asshole. Yeah, I mean, I, I... This is when I was still had in my mind they actually challenged them to a boat race. Again, feel, <laughs> to, feel suddenly really old right now. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, is Tenbarrow watching, like, those really shitty 80s teen movies? And, like, does someone have to remind them that the rich asshole that wants to close down the the summer camp or ski lodge, that guy's the villain? 
Does, do they understand that? That no one's rooting for that? Because that's you right now. That You are that rich cocksucker. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I hope some law firm over in Corvallis picks it up. Picks it up and goes, you know what? Fuck AB InBev. Fuck 10 Barrel. We're with you. We'll run this free of charge. Hook us up with some beers. And Flat Tail gets AB InBev on their tails. Well, and the thing was is that uh, AB InBev uh, wasn't really done yet. Um, another AB... This was the prequel. Yeah, this was the prequel. They Another AB InBev-owned uh, brewery, uh, Corbash, decided it would be a good idea to promote their new Crawford Bach in Shiner, Texas. With billboards that say there's a new Bach in town. Now, the word Shiner, Texas probably rings a bell. It's because of Shiner Bach. Shiner Bach is one of the is one, one of the, the oldest craft sorry, breweries. I'm gonna say what family well, owned. I was gonna not even pass that. It's one of the oldest breweries. Full stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been operating in that area for over a hundred years. They are one of the few breweries that kept it's, German styles going. It's basically like Yingling and them, right. and like Meinhaus in Wisconsin. Those are the three OG breweries. And um, and so they took that as a shot across the bow that it was very much intended. And um, and the brewery itself is called Spotzel, um, and they responded in the most Texan way possible, which is uh, basically to our friend, to our friends in Shiner. This was to he, they put a an ad in the paper um, to our friends in Shiner. We have heard some chatter about some of the common sites uh, around the town last month. Three billboards and a concert sponsorship touting there's a new Bach in new Bach in Shiner. That's not Shinerbach, my friends. They are talking about Carbash Brewery, which is owned and operated by Anheuser-Busch, the largest brewery in the United States and the world. Um, and they went on to explain it, uh, explain everything that's going on, and they ended with, to the drinkers who love Shiner, we say cheers, and to the giant breweries, as our friends down the road once said, come and take it. Thank you for your support. They brought out uh, uh, Malin Lobe, like the tech. This is, you know, <laughs> come and take it is what Texans scream when they come. <laughs> All right. I just, or shoot <laughs> someone walking on their property. <laughs> that also is the same, <laughs> basically the same thing. That's a call to Texas orgasm. <laughs> they do both, right? <laughs> Usually at the same time. But I mean. You get shot with more than one thing. <laughs> you know, I guess what I'm saying is. AB InBev, you done messed with Texas. And there's a few rules in the in life. You, 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 and any Texan will tell you, you don't mess with Texas. They specifically requested you not mess with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I found awesome from that post is they actually broke into the... Talking about how you can tell that uh, that brewery's not owned independently by the independent seal and that shiner actually supports the independent seal and i didn't realize that shiner actually had incorporated that yeah and i was like oh i i had always kind of just figured shiner was owned by someone else but i was like they make some solid beer i just usually never like want a shiner bach well the thing is they've been kind of embracing their craft beer label and they have been coming out with, I think they actually, I think I saw an IPA at one point in time. Mm-hmm. They've got a seasonal uh, every year. I think they do like a, some German, uh, some, some They like, do a birthday cake beer. Yeah, the birthday cake. So they've been kind of expanding to just embrace the idea of 
craft beer, which is kind of cool. You know, they've been most of their existence has been taken up by just Shiner Bach, and uh, so they're ex- they're expanding their portfolio. So when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that is awesome!" I I was like, first of all, I love that they're taking it on. They've got the kind of bankroll that you would need to try to get in a pissing contest. I mean, they're still nowhere compared to AB InBev, but no. it's. I was like, and now, you know, if I'm standing there in the shelf. And knowing that they are fully independent, I may pick up a six pack once in a while. That's definitely you definitely should pick up a Shiner and. I was gonna say I haven't had one probably since college. I so I regularly pick it up because we do these uh, these off or sorry these uh, uh, style classes, and um, Shiner Bach is still like one of. It's in a weird category. I want to say like international amber lager or something. It's not considered like a traditional German Bach for obvious reasons. But it's it is like a classic style, so I pick it up and we we, we analyze it. So um, so it is it is still a a deliciously made oh, beer. Yeah. I was gonna say I've never had a problem with the beer. It's just just yeah. There's a I'm like ah, there's other options that sound better to me right now. And but so I guess what we're saying is uh, yeah, uh, fuck Widmere, fuck Red Hook, fuck Ten Barrel, uh, support independent craft beer. And that's a perfect segue for how uh, Molson Coors is trying to fuck with a local brewery. Well, before we get into that, I just want to take a quick uh, side note. We uh, we switched into it's important to have like two um, barrel aged beers uh, for a for a podcast At noon on a fucking Sunday uh, with this much vitriol. I feel like we're I feel like we can get really get into the to the uh, to the hate of uh, corporate beer. Um, this one is from uh, um, is the Moonchild uh, barrel aged American strong ale um, from. Uh, 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 pontoon brewing i picked this one up this was another uh, beer i picked up at the uh, best of craft beer awards um take a moment to drink it i get like a nice raisiny yeah vanilla nose when i first saw the color i was like oh is this a barley wine and then when you said american strong ale i was like okay close enough it's just, just a- kind of the beautiful almost like amber rose amber color I'm not sure I'm entirely on board with the flavor. Maybe it's just because we're coming off of that um, that Ada County, and so like it had a great big bold flavor, and this one's not quite as big, and so it's a little bit jarring. I get like light fruit um, mm-hmm. uh, dough. I almost get I get like a like a husky strange bitterness on it, like almost like I want to say hay. I almost get like hay on it. I don't get. I get like a little cherry coming through, but. And then I see cherries on the label, and I'm like, oh. Cherries and oranges I see on the label. and Okay, maybe it's orange peel and cherry I'm getting. I was going to say, and I could see the orange peel in there. I picked up the cherry instantly. and Maybe that's why, for some reason, the, the, the I don't know why my brain immediately went to hay, but... Although I almost stand by that because it has this kind of a there's a huskiness to it. I'm, I'm not quite uh, not quite sure where it comes from, but anyway. All right, Tyler. Um, you know, in... Keeping up, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Miller Coors does, and AB InBev are going at it. So if in the asshole competition, they don't want to get left behind. What are they bringing to the table? So uh, yesterday, uh, we had a local guy, Chris Hillman, post into Idaho Craft Beer Culture, one of the craft beer Facebook pages around town. And uh, he pointed out that uh, Coors 
released a new non-alcoholic beer that they branded as Coors Edge. Right. Which anyone in the Valley knows that there's an Edge Brewing here yep. in town. Which most people would be like, ah, oh, whatever. And then you look at the pictures. Um, and with this here, so it looks almost like the Bud Light blue across the top of the can. This typical Coors Banquet yellow across right. the bottom. Coors in the yellow, in the blue, and then the word edge in the blue on the yellow part. But they use the same typeface font style yeah. that Edge Brewing here locally uses and has used since they were founded. It's pretty. It, it looks pretty much identical. It looks like they did a collaboration. Co- it looks like they copied and pasted Edge's uh, uh, name and put it on the bottom of there. Which I'm, I'm if if I know the the people that work at Edge, I'm pretty sure their uh, none of their marketing wants to be associated with non-alcoholic. I'm just yeah. I feel comfortable. Yeah. I feel comfortable saying that that I don't don't think that's where they were going with that. No, and like I I've usually been hesitant to like rip on Miller Coors because usually they don't try to stick their foot in their mouth as much as AB InBev. I mean, they AB InBev does it with wild abandon. The only thing we've really got against Miller Coors is the whole stone, uh, keep the key and keystone thing, which we've talked about a few times. Which, great segue, if I was the owner of Edge, so Marcus. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Marcus. <laughs> I would flat out Send them a cease and desist. I would try to fight it with reckless abandonment. I would go to every fucking news outlet. I would also send that to Stone Brewing. Uh, Their sales rep for Edge used to work for Stone. So I guarantee you know someone down there and can be like, hey, check this out. Use this in your case. They did it to you. Now they're trying to do it to us because we don't have the bankroll to fight it like you guys do. And I would just try to smear them in the court of public opinion and help out Stone's case because there is protection on font for a brand name. We learned that with uh, Sierra Nevada, I believe. Uh, Lagunitas actually La- tried suing Sierra Nevada right. for their Nevada. IPA font. Correct. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's yeah. For the Hop Hunter. Correct. Yeah, it, which was, again, you look at the two, you're like, that's pretty fucking close. Yeah. Uh, they ended up dropping it because they got drugged through the coals on social media. But being a super small local regional brewery compared to the behemoth... You're not going to run into that. I mean, No, be- everyone's going to side with you. Nobody wants to see like two huge players in craft beer fighting each other. It just... It just there, are, there are bigger demons to fight. A.B. and Bevan Tenborough, for, for example. Or Miller Coors. And so... I would just be trying to battle that, trying to help Stone's case, because I feel if Stone can introduce that as evidence and say, hey, they just have reckless abandonment for IP, and we have proof. They mm-hmm. did it again. Yep. They did this because they knew that we called it Stone, and they didn't care. They did this, and they used the exact same font. Which is such such a weird thing to me. I mean, I guess I don't... I'm a little bit familiar with font and and how it works out, but the but I mean I could see how you could accidentally maybe do that, but it's like a one in a million. Well, glad you kind of bring that up because in 04 and 05, they had a Coors Edge and an Aspen Edge, both Miller Coors brands, 
Uh, and if you read the comments on the Idaho Craft Beer Culture page, uh, Joe Prin, the local can historian, this guy's got like a full garage full of thousands and thousands of cans. He collects cans. Uh, he's mainly moved to kind of just local beers. Uh, anytime someone changes something on their can, he comes, he goes to can trade shows. I think he's even in charge of like a can, beer can collector magazine. Dear God. I thought my hobbies were weird. Guy is awesome. If you ever reach out to him, he'll usually set up, try to, if you really want, try to set up a time for you to come out and <laughs> see his collection. He loves to show it off. Um, That's a local guy. Local guy. Whereabouts? Whereabouts? I, I'm i not sure exactly where he lives. Uh, somewhere, I mean, is he in Boise or? Boise Eagle, somewhere okay. in there. Somewhere, uh, somewhere in the greater Boise area. In Treasure Valley. Cool. Yep. Uh, so he posted and... I'll see if Jeremy can post this up so everyone can see. Or I mean, I've been I've been really really good at this shit. <laughs> uh, but if you go to that Facebook thread, you can find this picture. Um, so they do have precedent with doing Coors Edge, but the font is completely different. It looks like the Keystone Light font. Again, I'll put it up on our uh, on our Twitter feed, and that it that is at it's all beer. Um, and yeah, there's. There, there's a Chords Edge and two Aspen Edge, and there's no... Similar font, no. so they couldn't even try to say, this is what we used back in 04 before Edge Brewing was founded. It was... I mean, you can't copyright the word Edge, unfortunately, but, I mean, Edge in that font is... It's, that's a different deal. That's yeah. branding. Yes. And so, uh, I'm like... I get that you wanted to revamp Chords Edge, kind of change the font... But do a little research. Again, well, I mean, I guess... But here's the thing. I mean, where I'm a little bit on, on the fence on this because I can see how it could be done accidentally. But with that many choices, I mean, almost how could you? You would almost have to do a search for Edge and, and go like, search... And be like, I like this font. I like, I like oh, that font's kind of cool. Put that on our can. You know what? Just copy and paste this. Yeah, I mean, they're a small brewery. No one will give a shit. I mean, you could almost go either way. And I, I almost have to... It, if I have to use Occam's razor, I almost say it has to be the latter because, again, there th- those pictures almost prove that it's hard to copy the same font because there are literally billions of fonts. Trust me, I've looked through most of them. Uh, you know, putting out books is fun. <laughs> <laughs> but so I saw that, and I I really hope Edge tries to do something. I mean, I get it. Lawyers are expensive. Lawsuits are a drawn-out process. Look at Stone. They just got awarded but, some reimbursement for a lawsuit that the fees they got reimbursed was a portion, and it was 300 some million dollars. But as you mentioned, I mean, I don't know what the—I don't know if you can or not. I mean, this is where— we almost If any the, of you are a lawyer or are friends with, like, a trademark lawyer— We got some questions. Have, we'd love to have them on the show one day. We would, I, I think—yeah, I, we'll put that call out. If anybody uh, is familiar with copyright law and, uh, and and things of the craft beer nature when it comes to, like, the actual laws, I think— between, uh, I almost tried to buy some of this for today. Between between uh, uh, between keep the key and Keystone and everything AB InBev does, I think me and Tyler have some questions about what the actual laws are and just some of the like crazy one offs that like craft breweries do that blatantly like knock off bigger brands. So yeah, if anybody out there is listening and and is or knows somebody who might be able to answer some of our legal questions, because we, we'll give them beer. We'll. 
We'll, we'll Come give you, nerd out and talk and drink well, beer. There's a microphone in front of us, and we always have beer. So there you go. Invitation open. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to something a little bit happier, uh, as opposed to just getting pissed off about uh, gigantic uh, beer. Um, <clears throat> craft beer is dying news now. <laughs> Morbid motherfucker. <laughs> Tyler, something has been happening in Portland that we really haven't talked about. But I feel like we really should. Um, the last couple Dirty of years, hippies and weird donuts. Okay, that's that is Portland. That's <laughs> we don't have to talk about that because that is that's very much the Portland brand. Um, this former mecca of uh, of craft beer has been losing breweries and tap rooms at the rate that makes every AB InBev executive visibly aroused. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the list I'm about to read out will end up on Pornhub, so top brass at AB InBev can jerk each other off to completion. Um, I found a list from uh, April of this year from uh, Willamette Week, um, where they basically talk about uh, they uh, talk about all the breweries that have closed in uh, 2018 and 2019, um, and Portland's lost quite a few of them. Um, some of these are just like tap room closings. The brand is still viable, and they're just they're closing conti- down satellite tap rooms. Yeah, just they're just closing down business in Portland, and, and but some of these are gone forever. Um, Alameda closed down their tap room earlier this year. Bridgeport is gone for good. One of the one of the oldest craft beers. One of the OGs. Uh, another one, Burnside Brewing, Lompoc Tavern, um, closing down their Portland uh, Portland tap room, but they are also shutting down business altogether. Uh, North Rim Portland Brewing Tap Room and Restaurant, River Bend Brewing Tap Room and Restaurant, Seven Brides Brewing, Two Kilts Brewing. We talked about the Widmere Brothers mm-hmm. Tap Room closing. Um, that's just that. That was uh, just up to about April, and since that list came, Cider Riot and Coalition Brewery have fallen has fallen as well. Yeah. And didn't Laurelwood? Laurelwood closed down one of one their, their one of their tap one of their Portland tap rooms. When they still have a, and Kasi basically bought them. Right. Um, they still have a presence. They have one presence in Portland and the airport, so mm-hmm. it's less. But I. That, but good point. Yeah, they lost a tap room as well. Um. And when you start digging into why this is happening, most of everybody talks about basically this is just what happens when the market finally gets flooded. It's the shakeout. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the market just becomes so flooded and so competitive that, uh, that if, you're, if you don't stand out, you're, you're going to fall behind. And I think that's absolutely true. But there's something else going on here that's, not just like market saturation and then comp- and then over competition, because for a lot of these these aren't brand new businesses. These aren't like a, a startup where they got in over their head or they didn't quite know what they were doing or they didn't have their process down well enough and they just couldn't compete and and uh, and lost cust- hemorrhage customers and then lost the battle against established custom uh, established competitors because a lot of these are the established competitors. Yeah, I think. The big thing is a good amount of these were legacy brands that had grown enough and so had to keep trying to grow to keep mm-hmm. paying for the new equipment they got to get the growth when it was just happening at a breakneck speed that they couldn't keep up with. And so they overextended themselves a little. And then all of a sudden more places started opening up and that growth hit them, hit the brakes and... Because they were so big, they weren't as agile as some of the smaller, newer breweries that are releasing a new seasonal every week. And 
they're basically trying to keep up with all their cans, and it's, oh, we brew this beer, this beer, this beer, this beer. I mean, I know doing outside sales for the brewery I do, when I walk into an account, most places go, what new beer do you have? Right. And so if you only have your four or five core beers that you have, you've got to try to sell them on that when they're looking for... I want this rotational. I want this rotational. I want this rotational. You got to be like, hey, I got a fresh batch of IPA. Let's get that in. It's new. It's fresh. It's the same IPA you've had before, but it's two days old. And when you get to that scale, you really can't get something out that quick. So I think that hurt them and it just the lack of kind of innovation. Um. You basically hit upon where I was kind of going with uh, uh, with this was, um, I mean, this this hits at something like at the heart of something I love slash hate about craft beer, and that is just the complete ADD of your customer base. Oh. Because and there's not a ton of loyalty in craft beer, which is I you know what I feel like that's a good thing in a way because your craft beer customer. Is in it for craft beer. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you know, there's very few people that have loyalty to just this brewery. Most of them want to try stuff from this brewery, this brewery, this brewery, this brewery. What they what they want is, you know, is like locally made uh, craft beer from people they know, um, and which is I think is kind of cool because yeah. it's, it's not so much competition against each other; it's competition against the companies we mentioned earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. But but you've but I, you've mentioned a few times how important it is, uh, how important the customers that come in every day or every other day plop their ass on a bar stool and, and order have three or four pints, three or four of your flagship IPA. You know how how important that base is, uh, just to keep to keep the lights on and mm-hmm. keep business rolling. But more and more, that's not where the the that's not what our what the customers have been trained to want and expect. Because more and more, and I say this as being probably the worst offender, I am totally that guy that looks up at a menu of 20 or 30 different craft beers with the with the air of a Roman emperor going, meh, had it, had, had it, it, had, had it. it. What what can you bring? What can you bring uh, uh, me that is new and interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, so I... <laughs> no, I, I'm right there with you. The nice part is if as a brewery you can keep releasing something once every month, once every six weeks or something, you can get those new customers that'll come in and be like, oh, yeah, I haven't had that, or I haven't had that in a long time. Uh, I'll take one of those. Or, And then you also get those customers that come in three, four days a week, maybe to come in a fifth and be like, you know what, I'll try one of those. Oh, that's delicious, but I'm going to switch back. Or, oh, no, I'm going to keep drinking this till it's gone. Right. That's so, me. That's me with a certain brewery's raspberry brown. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it allows you to just bring in some new people that may not stop in, and give your core group of basically bill payers a ch- a reason to come back in. But what I mean, what I almost had to ask myself was, are we? Are we as consumers of craft beer being trained to expect something that's entirely unsustainable? Because is that constant novelty going to, I mean, force breweries into a position where, I mean, like you said, if, if, you're a, if you get to, a, to be a size where you just can't pivot 
you know, enough to uh, to release something new all the time and 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 cater to your customers' tastes. I think a lot of brewer, uh, brewery owners were just going to throw up their hands and go, "This fucking shit isn't worth it." You people are the worst people to try to to try to make a, a product for. We're out, and then you we find ourselves in the loving arms of AB InBev again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering: is that is do you think that 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 expectation is is something unsustainable? And can we can we do anything about that at this point in time, or is that just where craft beer is going to be? I, I think that's just kind of where craft beer is going to be for a couple of reasons. One. Craft beer, I mean, if you look over in Europe, like the, in like Germany and Belgium, there was a brewery in every city that all did something a little bit different. Yeah, but they made the same so, shit over and over. But, I mean, you go, you talk about like a German brewery, that some of those breweries, I mean, there are people who have been going to yes, Hofbrau for their what entire life. I was more oh, sorry. going into was the locality. Okay, gotcha. Where back. I mean, look, Green Flash is the best example. Right. They overextended themselves. Oh, dear God, did they ever. And on the East Coast, no one cared that they were a brewery originally out of San Diego. When all of a sudden they started getting their own local breweries, they were like, oh, yeah, you make solid beer. This guy makes just as good beer. But I know his his son goes to school with my son. I'm buying it over here. So I think craft beer is you're still gonna have you know those top 50 breweries and barrelage per year that are expanded really struggling to get that mobility but then you have so many just local that just stick to that area and their tap room and are that neighborhood pub that are super agile and can go with it to have that new variety every time and then There'll always be room for those bigger, mid-sized, or large craft breweries that if you're at an Albertsons or Winco and you're like, uh, you know, I want a six-pack. Or we get the hair up our ass and go, oh, let's do that historic pale ale tasting here on our fucking podcast. Let's buy this. Let's buy this. There'll always be that. There'll always be people that go, I really like that pale ale. I'm going to get it. Which, which which we did, by the way. You can go back into our archives. Uh, uh, going into, I forget what it's called, but something about Pale Memories. Mm-hmm. But Into the Dark Night with Pale Memories, I think it was. Um, the funny thing was is that as you were talking about it, I had to go back and through our uh, Twitter feed because there's something I found that resonated with me so much that I retreated from uh, Michael Kaiser. Um, he said, he, the tweet was, um, the last 30 years of craft breweries, quote, uh, duh, people like us because we're fresh and local. 2019 craft breweries. Why don't people gobble up our pail off a warm shelf on the other side of the country? Should we invest in social? <laughs> I thought that was like... Exactly. That hit upon it. Like, yeah. I mean, once you... There's... The further you are from your home market... And I think Burnside, they were originally out of Bend, right? Yes. So, going up to Portland... That ex- no, actually, no. Let me. No, I want to walk that back. No, because no, Burnside started in Portland. Okay, they started because they're named after the street on which they were. Okay, they've expanded that- to Bend. But a th- but a thing about Burnside breweries, they always fancied their- themselves more as a like a restaurant that serves beer on site. Yeah. Um, if you're in Portland, Old Town Pizza is kind of the same way. They're a pizza joint that happens to make their own beer. But so the further you get away from that original founding market or neighborhood. The harder it is to sway people to coming into your spot versus the new guy's spot. 
Right. And we've talked about this because there is, I mean, there is like this like dead zone where, you know, if you're small and agile, you can, you can keep on going. If you're like the size of, of like a Deschutes or somebody, you're fine. But there's like this middle ground where you, you get up into, and if you don't, I'm thinking of like trench warfare, like World War One. It's the kill zone, basically running between no the man's trenches. land. Yeah, is which I was almost... and to get through, you're gonna see a lot of your friends die. <laughs> but if you make it through, you're set. <laughs> and or, you have a whole new set of I challenges. Mean, the question, the question is, in that analogy, is being swept up by a, a, a big, a bigger brewery considered dying, or is that considered like being wounded in the field? How does that work out? Because I mean, I me, mean, it comes to mind is like prisoner dogfish. of war. <laughs> and then there's Dogfish Head that was in that kill zone, and I guess got dragged back to the trenches by his buddy, or I don't know how you worked that out. He got dragged to the other trenches by his buddy and was able to kill a couple people and they started making their way through. Um, but anyway, so uh, I did promise like uh, a promise to end with something nicer and there is actually a silver lining to this. <laughs> we bunch, got dark real quick. I mean, a Went bunch long. of people going, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? You, you promised something happier. There is, there is something cool that has come from all this. Um, this week, uh, Hopworks Urban Brewery, also known as Hub, um, announced that they are extending their mud, uh, mug club membership benefits uh, to members of any similar clubs uh, of any Portland of the now of, of any of the of the defunct breweries in the Portland area. So essentially, if you were a member of a mug club with uh, Bridgeport, you get all the benefits of of uh, Hubs uh, mug club, which is like I think like you get the twenty you get like the basic uh, twenty two ounce pour instead of a sixteen ounce in a special glass, and you get ten percent off of merch. Um, and the, and the other cool thing is, is that they invited anybody who lost their job when one of these breweries went under, uh, to apply for a job there. I don't know how much, um, they'll be able to actually hire. They do have two tap rooms, one in uh, Portland and one across the river in Vancouver. Um, but it's kind of, I mean, I, I assume they'll give press, uh, preference to those who are, uh, working for one of those breweries. Yeah. I don't know how many people that they can absorb that way, but I mean, it's that's, a couple at least. Yeah, and I, this kind of goes. This goes back to where we kind of started, which is, you know, there is something kind of cool about uh, a that they're that they aren't like dancing on the graves of these. A lot, and a lot of times, like legacy uh, breweries, these are probably breweries that that the owners and used uh, to go drink at. Yeah, go drink at, looked up to and said, I'm going to make a uh, beer like this. I mean, a fucking, fucking Bridgeport, their IPA has been credited by some people as starting the IPA craze in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, wow. Maybe uh, maybe even advancing the I, the idea of a uh, of a West Coast IPA. I'm not sure I subscribe to that idea. I think, I think I'd give the credit more towards Anchor. Um, but I would say more towards Lagunitas. Yeah, but Lagunitas always has that sweet hop thing going. But, but anyway, but Bridgeport is. I mean, we we have to do an episode of this sometime. Who <laughs> who who really uh, who gets credit for this? But I mean, Bridgeport's in contention. We have to. Yep. Yeah. Bridgeport was there, so maybe they deserve at least some of the credit. But um, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, <laughs> but instead of dancing on the grave, grave they're, they're helping to help and, the community, and that's where we where you're like uh, um, we said. There's no competition in craft, or there's no loyalty in craft beer. There's not a lot of competition either because True. it is a community. 
we're all in this together. We're trying to help each other out because our enemy is what we were talking about earlier in this uh, podcast. It's fucking AB InBev and all their little demon spawn children. Yep. Uh, kind of doing a little segue on craft beer community. Uh, a local business uh, here in the Treasure Valley Hilltop Station actually had their bank account hacked and drained. I read about that, yeah. Over the weekend. So if you are here in the Valley... Try to make it up to Hilltop Station. Buy some. They have killer food, awesome beer. Go buy some stuff from them. Have a nice little date night and uh, show what the craft beer community can do. I think that's that's that's. Uh, I think that about, that about wraps it up. Then I think I was about to ask if you uh, had anything else to add, but that about did it, right? No, nope, that wraps me up. All right. Well, this has been it's all beer. Uh, corporate beer sucks edition. <laughs> And as always, you can get a hold of us at It's All Beer on Twitter. We do some things on there when I can be bloody well uh, uh, bothered. We have a Facebook page at It's All Beer. And you can always talk to us uh, via email at It's All Beer at It's All Beer at gmail.com. Sorry, this barrel aged beer is starting to get on right on my boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> Lightweight. <laughs> and that's about it for us. Oh, and, and, and as always, please leave us a review on, uh, on, on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get this. Um, and let us know we're doing good and doing uh, poorly. Uh, maybe we probably shouldn't drink so much. You could put that on there. Maybe Jeremy we be- shotguns beer for every five star review. So it's true. I will. So if someone leaves a five star review this week, he'll shotgun a Coors Edge. I will do. Well, that doesn't seem to be <laughs> fair. But sure, why not? If yeah, if you leave a five star review, I will shotgun a Coors Edge because you want to punish Go on me. Air. <laughs> Why did I just agree to that? All right, that, that's the thing I will do if you leave a five-star review. Or you can leave a five-star review and just say, Jeremy doesn't have to do this. You guys are legitimately awesome. That would be preferable. <laughs> anyway, that will be all from us this week. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go have a maybe a non-alcoholic beer next week. <laughs> Enjoy a beer yourself. <laughs>